Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. Many of you know of my great love for sock religious. During the month of January, on January 28th, we celebrate the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is one of the greatest thinkers in all of Catholicism. He gave us a multi-volume Summa Theologiae, which has been used by academic theologians for years. He gave us the five proofs of God's existence. He wrote the hymns for Corpus Christi. And now you can honor St. Thomas Aquinas on your feet, because sock religious have a wonderful sock of St. Thomas Aquinas. On the bottom of the foot, it says, Non nisi te domine. Nothing but you, Lord, recalling that prayerful moment St. Thomas Aquinas had before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I hope you'll head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and get your pair of St. Thomas Aquinas socks so you can celebrate his feast day in style. Now on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or deepening of your devotion to the Blessed Mother. Today, I'm very happy to be talking about another shrine of Our Lady. When we think about shrines, there are lots of types of shrines. There are the shrines of Mary's apparitions, such as the shrine in Champion, Wisconsin, where Mary appeared in 1859 to Adele Bryce, or the shrines in France like Lourdes or Fatima. Then there are the devotional shrines to Our Lady for a specific title that over time the devotion to Our Lady under that name emerges, and so people become devoted. They visit that shrine, they build a church, and many graces are received as people visit that place. I had the opportunity to visit the National Shrine of Our Lady of Prompt Succor in New Orleans a few years ago. I went down there for the feast day, and one of the hallmarks of the feast day is a promise that the Ursuline sisters made many, many years ago to sing the Te Deum, or uh, God, We Praise You, uh, at the conclusion of the feast day mass. And so they've been doing that ever since that promise was made, and it's a beautiful tradition. And we're going to learn more about the story of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker today as I speak with Sister Carolyn Brocklin, who is an Ursuline sister and the shrine director down there in Louisiana. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Sister Carolyn. Well, good morning, Father. Thank you so much for inviting me to share our story with you and your listeners. Yeah, it's a shrine that has captured my heart, and I say that probably about every shrine I visit. I, I love most of the shrines I go to, and that you always leave with a part of that shrine with you in your heart. You treasure that. Uh, but there's always unique stories of God's grace and how God has been at work in those shrines, and especially when they're dedicated to Mary, Mary's intervention, and how people have implored her intercession in times of need. This story of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker comes to New Orleans, and so there's the devotion there. But I'm willing to bet that there's a greater historical uh, background to the devotion than just New Orleans. I could be mistaken. So what is the original story behind Our Lady of Prompt Sucker? Well, the story as we tell it here, the, the Ursuline sisters came to New Orleans in 1727, and they brought with them devotion to Mary. 
uh, one of the titles that they honored Mary under at that time was Our Lady of Victories. And we actually have a image of that on the facade of our shrine. Um, in the French Quarter, there's a statue that is from the earliest times when the sisters lived on Ursuline Street in the French Quarter. And and that's just Mary, uh, mother of Jesus. But the, the story about the devotion to Mary under the title of Prompt Sucker has really a twofold origin in the... Um, 1700s, as you may expect, the French Quarter was mostly wooden buildings, and so there were a number of fires that raged through, and during one of those fires, a small statue of Mary that had been brought from France was placed in the window, and with a desperate plea, Mary, help us or we'll be lost, and at that moment, the wind changed, and the fire blew back on itself and burned out, and the convent and that section of the French Quarter were saved. So that small statue was kind of the beginning of the sisters here, thinking of Mary as someone who can help us when we need help in a big hurry. Um, and that, that small statue came to New Orleans in 1786, and right now it's located in a little niche to the side of the main altar. It's not the most beautiful statue in the world, but it, it's very precious to us because the story behind that was the sister who had been asked to come with some other volunteers to New Orleans in the 1780s wanted to um, come. But at that time, the, the area where she was living was under Spanish control and they were having difficulty getting permission to come. So she prayed to Mary and with um, quick help was able to overcome the obstacles that pre prevented them from coming to New Orleans. Her name is Sister St. Felicite. So she brought that statue with her and said, well, you know, she found it in the attic and she wasn't going to leave it there. She was going to have it honored when she came to New Orleans. And that statue we now call Sweetheart because in the um, early 20th century, one of the sisters was talking to the students as they were going to the chapel to pray for their dates for the weekend. And um, they were praying in front of the statue of Sweetheart. And at that time, she was just the statue of Mary that was close by that they could pop into chapel and pray before and the sister said, oh, she's such a sweetheart. So ever since, we call that statue sweetheart. So that's the origin of um, devotion to Mary. But then there's a whole nother story of how she officially is called Our Lady of Prom Sucker. And that, again, is from someone who wanted to come from France. This was after the French Revolution when the um, sister's in France couldn't live as sisters and um, the sister who's connected with that statue is Mother Michelle Jean Sewell. But just a little bit of the backstory before that, Louisiana had been a French colony, then it was a Spanish colony for about 40 years. And in 1803, I guess somebody needed money because the Spanish retroceded it back to the French. 
And at that time, you know, at 40 years, the sisters were half French and half Spanish. And the Spanish sisters were especially scared because in the French Revolution, many of our sisters lost their lives to the guillotine. So they all moved to Cuba. And the sisters in New Orleans were left with all the work and half the people to do it. So that was the, the origin of the invitation to Mother St. Michelle Jean Soule, who was a cousin of the sister who wrote to her. So the invitation came. She very much wanted to respond to that and bring other women with her. But she felt as a courtesy to her bishop, she should ask him. Because at that time, she had started a school with another pious lady. And she knew that if she left, someone else would have to take that over. And whether or not it would succeed was not known. So she went to the bishop. And the way I like to tell this part of the story, it's like if you're a parent and your child wants to do something and you don't feel right about telling them no, but you don't feel right about telling them yes either. So you say, well, go ask your dad. Or if it's the dad, go ask your mom. So the bishop said, ask the pope which is a big deal in itself, but at the time, the Pope was a prisoner of Napoleon. So to even get a letter to him and then get an answer back was really a tall order. So Mother Michelle prayed to Mary, and she said, if I get a prompt and favorable answer, I will have you honored in Louisiana as Our Lady of Prompt Succor. So that's the title that she chose to um, bring with her. She actually commissioned a wood carved statue. It's about four feet tall, and now it stands over the main altar, right over the tabernacle, in a special niche created for her. That's beautiful. So she brought she brought the statue in 1810. The most famous miracle comes later. One of the things that's very interesting, you know, is how some of these things just stick. So, for example, you talk about the sister calling her, she's such a sweetheart. And to this day, those words uttered by that nun are still being remembered. And people call that little statue the sweetheart statue. So, you know, it's very cute and, you know, enduring that it's lasted for such a long time. And also another thing that I appreciate, you know, so it seems that this religious sister who's going to come, who had her write the Holy Father, I will have you honored as prompt sucker, you know, she kind of invented, it seems, this title of Mary then. And, and there are lots of different helping titles of Our Lady. So we call her the Help of Christians. We call her Our Lady of Good Success. We call her, you know, Our Lady of Good Remedy. Where I live, we have the shrine, the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. So Mary's help is good. But this is an interesting devotion because it's Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, which means quick and speedy help. And you've seen in the different stories that you've told already how Mary has offered that quick and speedy help. And I know that she also did that during the Battle of New Orleans. So what's the connection there to the Battle of New Orleans? So the, the sisters were still in the French Quarter at this time, and the British were threatening New Orleans. Actually, the War of 1812 had been... Um, they had surrendered and and peace treaty was being drafted but word did not get to new orleans and especially not to 
the general who was General Pakenham, who was trying to capture the city. And even if if the peace treaty had been signed, if they captured New Orleans, they probably would have changed the terms. So it was a big threat. New Orleans was the port city at the mouth of the Mississippi. So it controlled the flow of goods and services up and down the river and all the um, tributaries that empty into the Mississippi. So the people were very frightened. Andrew Jackson came with a small uh, group of Tennessee volunteers, and he tried to um, organize ragtag army, and everybody who could fight joined that army. So we had people of color, people who had enslaved men, contributed their labor, people who had any military training at all, and Jackson tried to form them into an army to fight this overwhelming number of well-trained British soldiers. So what the sisters did was organize the women of the city and any of the men who couldn't um, be a part of the military service to do all-night vigils. And the night before the battle, they were praying all night as they had been for several days. And early in the morning, they had just um, had their 6 a.m. mass. The messenger came to say the battle is already over and victory is ours. And it's considered, again, an example of quick help because the battle was relatively short and with very little loss of life on the American side. So... Once that um, news had come, the sister who was the leader of the community, what we call the prioress, made a vow that every year on the anniversary of that battle, which is January 8th, we would have a solemn mass of thanksgiving. Wherever the statue would be, we would have the mass there and we would sing the Te Deum. So we've carried that out ever since. We, we don't sing the whole Te Deum anymore because it's more meaningful to the people if we sing a refrain, which is the beginning of it, and then recite the verses so that, as we do with all of our worship now, it's in the vernacular. But we still have kept that tradition for over 200 years, and it will be done again this year in 2022 on January 8th with a 4 p.m. Mass with Archbishop Amond as the principal celebrant and then other bishops and clergy who also join in to give thanks. And I was one of those clergy a few years back, and I think it's, you know, very interesting, you know, that people realize the power of religious sisters. And so where did they go in the midst of trial and tribulation? They went to the nuns and said, can you pray? And so they gathered these people and they prayed to God and and there was a quick response. There was prompt help that Our Lady was able to obtain and give. Now, you know, one of the things I encounter, especially in my work with Marian devotion, and especially on the liturgical calendar, when we celebrate different militaristic feasts, we could say, of the Blessed Mother. So, for example, Our Lady of the Rosary, which is connected to the Battle of Lepanto. Some people kind of are taken aback that, you know, Mary's help was invoked during a time of war because that meant other people had to die and things like that. And so they are unsettled by that. What do you make of that? Or how can we put people at ease kind of with some of those concerns, especially as this surrounds the Battle of New Orleans? Well, I think God meets us where we are. 
and all through history, we have stories of people who prayed and were given um, a response to their prayer in a way that perhaps we would not um, be comfortable with in our day and age. But I'm sure if we were threatened with um, destruction of the city, rape and pillage of all the residents, we would pray for help. And if the help comes, we would thank God for it. So that's what I make of it. One of the things I realized too, as I followed different Marian devotions throughout the year, and especially in Louisiana, which tragically is hit by hurricanes so often, we remember the great hurricane Katrina that came and devastated the city of of New Orleans and how some of the other hurricanes this past year uh, affected Lake Charles and other areas as well. And so Our Lady of Prompt Succor, then, is often invoked during this time uh, of hurricane season. And how did she become associated with that as becoming a Marian devotion for hurricanes? Well, Our Lady of Prompt Succor is not just the patron of our shrine. She's the patron of the whole Archdiocese of New Orleans, and of the province, which includes all the dioceses of Louisiana. So all over the state, you'll have churches or um, other ways of honoring Mary as Our Lady of Prompt Succor. So the the idea of asking her help in time of need is one that goes back to the ways in which she's helped us in the past. And, you know, especially the fire in the French Quarter and then the, the victory of the Battle of New Orleans. So when we have great need in the time of hurricane, we start with the beginning of hurricane season, which is June the 1st, and every day until um, November 30th, which is the end of hurricane season, we pray through the intercession of Our Lady of Prompt Soccer that we may be spared all loss of life and property during the hurricane season. And that's done in churches throughout the whole region, not just New Orleans. Because we have that sense that when you need help in a hurry, certainly a hurricane is an example of that. And to pray to Mary offers us comfort. And, you know, I was here through Hurricane Katrina. I was here through Hurricane Ida just recently and other hurricanes. And they're very scary. So to be holding on to that faith that Mary is going to help us and see us through and intercede with her son to give us the help that we need is, is a very powerful devotion. It seems that Our Lady of Prompt Succor then, quite fittingly, is as it's located in New Orleans, it's really a regional devotion. But have you seen in your own experience of being a, a part of the shrine community for so many years, is this devotion widespread throughout the United States, would you say? Are there other people outside of the state of Louisiana devoted to Our Lady of Prompt Succor? Oh, there are many, many people outside of, of our uh, region who are devoted to Our Lady of Prompt Succor. They write to us, ask for prayers, they help support us with their donations, and they s- purchase religious articles to share with their friends and others that they think might um, like to have them. So the devotion has spread all over the, the country And also in other parts of the world, I recall not too long ago, maybe a year or two ago, a family came from India, the grandparents and the parents and a little girl 
and they came to give thanks because the little girl, when she was still in utero, was uh, in a, the mother had a very difficult pregnancy and they weren't sure how it would end. So they all prayed to Our Lady of Prom Sucker. So now the little girl was five, doing very well, very healthy, delightful, and obviously very cherished. And they came to give thanks. So we have many, many times when that happens. Every Saturday, we have a Mass at 1130 in the morning, and it's considered a perpetual novena. We always say the special prayer to Our Lady of Prom Sucker and sing the hymn in her honor. So a lot of people who can come try to come on that day for an opportunity to give thanks and to pray for special needs. So you've been working at the Shrine of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker for a long time, for many years, and I guess I'm wondering what impact has that had in your own life and your own devotional life? How have you seen God's grace at work as you've led people there at the National Shrine of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker? Well, that's that's another whole story. Um, I, I um, belong to a religious community that's organized. It's an international community, and our province goes from Minnesota to Texas. So we get moved around. But for some reason in God's providence, I was here when I made my final vows. I was here when I celebrated my silver jubilee and my golden jubilee. And that's most unusual. So um, it just, the fact that I made my final vows here has special significance to me that um, that time of complete giving over to God and trust for, for the rest of your life was here in this sacred place. And then that I could be here to celebrate other wonderful anniversaries has just amplified that devotion. Well, it's been a beautiful experience to talk about Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, the history of this devotion. I think sometimes people might hear Prompt Sucker and they're like, well, why do they say Prompt Sucker? Is there another way that we could say Sucker or is, is that the appropriate way? Well, actually, that's a transliteration from the French name of the title because when, when she came, the sisters all spoke French. So we often translate it as quick help. So we'll say Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, and that means Our Lady of Quick Help. Well, it's been so wonderful, Sister, to speak with you, to learn the story of this national shrine. People go down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, of course. And so do you see an uptick of pilgrims during Mardi Gras? Uh, not necessarily. They don't usually come to Mardi Gras to also come on pilgrimage. <laughs> but we do have pilgrimage groups that come regularly, some of the um, tour guides in the city are special um, special resources for that. So people who want to come on pilgrimage, there are many other shrines in the city, and they can visit us along with others. And then, um, another time, um, there's a devotion in our area on Good Friday to go to nine churches. And so our church is open from early in the morning until the time for the three o'clock service. And many people come through on that day as well. One of the other shrines, you said there's other shrines there in New Orleans, and one of the other ones 
um, beside the cathedral, which which is very beautiful, and people recognize the cathedral, and uh, and if they see a picture of it, but there's a devotion to Blessed Francis Xavier Silos, and there's a shrine to Blessed Francis Xavier Silos also down there in New Orleans. So that's another place yeah. to check yeah. out uh, when you visit mm-hmm. Our Lady of Prom Sucker. Mm-hmm. And another one that's right at the edge of the French Quarter is the Shrine of Saint Jude at the Church of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, but there are others, you know, scattered around the city. Those are some of the ones that are most well-known. Well, wonderful, Sister. It's been so great to speak with you to, again, learn about this devotion, to see how it is that maybe when we find ourselves down there in Louisiana, that we can stop by the shrine and we can, whatever petition we have, whatever quick help we need from heaven, that we can entrust it to Our Lady there and to the sweetheart who many people have asked for prayers throughout the years, including Andrew Jackson during the Battle of New Orleans. If people want to learn more about the National Shrine of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, how can they do that? sister we have a website it's www.shrineolps.com that would be the quickest way google if you just put shrine olps google will pull it up for you and that'll tell you more information and that will help you to plan your own pilgrimage sometime in the near future to the national shrine of our lady of prompt sucker thanks so much for being with me today sister Thank you. God bless. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm